Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. We're busy with a, um, a theme for the next season on uh, Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, first of all, just wanted to start off by saying that, I mean, I'm not preaching just because Etienne's not here, although I am. I, I, he sometimes lets me preach when I'm here, and he's here too. And, uh, uh, but it's really, a, it's awesome to see how their family's growing and how they're doing well. And so uh, I'm sure they're checking in on us now uh, from the comfort of their home. But uh, it's good to, to be with you guys in uh, Tigerburg. Um, with the, the, the theme of the Holy Spirit, I've been um, just uh, something, a lot of different things have been coming up in my heart and I've been wanting to minister on and um, yeah, for Marco on the, um, the multimedia, none of those uh, verses are going to apply. Uh, <laughs> in that I really just felt while I was uh, in worship that that message was for Rondebosch and this message is for you guys. So uh, I apologize for the confusion, but I trust if you don't have a Bible, you've got a phone, and you can take notes and look up the verses uh, yourself. You know, but as I was preparing on this, you know, I, really, I was thinking about a number of different things. Number one, I don't know if you've heard people say this, but what is the biggest difference or the, the, the significant difference between Christianity and other religions? And it comes down to, like I've heard many people say, and I agree with them, that it comes down to grace. Uh, uh, that, that you know, we're not treated as we deserve, we're treated better than we deserve, that's grace. And we don't have to work for salvation, we don't have to earn salvation, it's by grace through faith, we believe and we receive it. But there's another distinguishing mark or characteristic about Christianity, which um, as I was meditating on this, I was like, this is one that's often overlooked. And it is that uh, we've got the Spirit of God living in us. You know, he doesn't come and visit us. A lot of Christians have an Old Testament visitation mentality. God, please come and visit us. You can't have that because he's with you. And he said he would never leave you nor forsake you. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17 says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit with him. So if you're one with God, how can he visit with you? You can have fellowship with him, yes, but he can't come from somewhere because he's here. You know, it's like a, 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 some of you have the mentality I used to have where, you know, in, in, even in worship, we expect uh, the, the, the worship to kind of usher in the presence of the Lord and then God's here. And a lot of people would leave the service and even think, you know what, God wasn't there today because I didn't have my goosebump. And it's like, well, God was there. Maybe he wasn't enjoying your worship. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It depends on your heart, right? It depends on your heart. Maybe he wasn't. Maybe you just weren't enjoying it. He's not somewhere out there. He's here with me now in the fullness. You are filled with the fullness of God, not just part of Him. We've got to change our perspective on uh, uh, Christianity and our view on it and start to see it like He sees it so we can experience it the way He intended for us to experience it. Okay? If, if we... Don't throw your stones. Hold on. If we see Christianity as relationship with God, we have to kind of investigate that. 
Because it's all about relationship. Amen, hallelujah, I agree. But a lot of people see it as a relationship in terms of relationship with each other or relationship with someone who's far and distant. A relationship with maybe the, the relationship you have with me, which is kind of hello on a Sunday. You think that that's how it is with God, hello on a Sunday. It's, it's not, it's much deeper than that. It, it, your relationship with God is like your relationship to your skin. It's holding you together. <laughs> Amen. We're grateful for that. But at the same time, it's, it's, it, you can't get rid of it. It's, it's, it's not just relationship as in a friendship. It is. But it's also relationship as in a, a position. Your relationship position with God is your one with Him. We've got to start seeing this. You know, John 10.10. 10, uh, the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Ha uh, 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 Amplified, I think, says have it to the full until it overflows. Okay, I want to actually just get that from the Passion as well because it said something interesting there. But, you know, this, we, we look at this verse, and some people like to take this verse and talk about money. It's got nothing to do with money. <laughs> it's got absolutely nothing to do with money. Okay? The, it, it doesn't have anything to do with houses or cars. It's got everything to do with the Holy Spirit. Okay? The thief comes not uh, but uh, for to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life. That word life is Zoe, the God kind of life. It's talking about eternal life. Okay? This is why Jesus came. You can match this with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him shouldn't perish but have eternal life. See, the life of God is eternal once it's living inside of us. So eternal life is the Spirit of God living in us. So now if we look at this, uh, I like how the Passion puts it. It says, the second part, it says, I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. Until you overflow. Now why is that so, so important for us? Because in John chapter 7, Jesus speaks about the Holy Spirit and He says, it'll, it'll be streams of living water flowing from within you. And so God's intention with Christianity is to put His Spirit in you and, and, and for you to experience the Holy Spirit until you're overflowing. And forget about a Benny Hinn concert. <laughs> Some people, when they think, you're thinking about different things when you talk about Holy Spirit. I'm not going, I left my jacket at home. I'm not here to, you know, throw it at you and all that. That's fine in its place, but I'm not saying, like, what I'm trying to say is don't think of the crazy associated with Holy Spirit. Think about the comforter. Because Jesus called him the comforter, which means he comforts you. And we're going to look at that in a minute. Okay? But we've got to see this relationship with him as something normal and something which... Uh, 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 God, this is what God intended for us. This is what God desired for us. Okay, let's go to uh, John chapter 14, verse 12. Some of these verses aren't there if you want to find them, but uh, it's fine. 
It's not necessary. But John 14 verse 12 from the New Living Translation says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. So what this verse, I I love the last part of this verse because he's saying, because I'm going to be with my Father. Why is he saying that? We'll see it in another verse in a few moments. But he's talking about going so the Holy Spirit can come. Okay, so he's talking about because of the Holy Spirit who will be in you, who will be with you, you will be able to do the same works as I do and greater works. Jesus speaking. As I was meditating on this verse, I think this morning or yesterday, uh, I, um, I realized like some people here might be in the position where you don't know what normal Christianity is supposed to be like. Because you think of going to church and reading your Bible and praying every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. You're thinking about a a religion or you're thinking about a a, a Christianity um, uh, really just mellow. And and that's because we've done a a disservice to the world or the church even by talking about, wait for it, spirit-filled Christianity. I'm a spirit-filled Christian. There's no other type of Christian. (laughs) John chapter, what's it, Uh, um, I've got it somewhere, 9 verse, um, 8 verse 9, I think it is, says, if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you're not part of Him. So there's Christians who are submitted to the Spirit of God within them, and there's Christians who are not. There's Christians who are flowing in the gifts of the Spirit, and there's Christians who are not, but there's no such thing as an unspirit-filled Christian. That person needs to get born again. And because we've, we've compartmentalized it, and you know, I was part of a church for a while where I was like, these guys have no spirit anyway. It's a kind of, you can sleep comfortably there. Some of you can nod off, I know that. I've seen you nod off. But it's like sometimes, then I get more animated. And, and I, I'll start looking at you. And then you try and stay awake, you know. Sometimes people <laughs> drop their phones while they're falling asleep. And everybody knows who, who those people are. But the point is, it's like, this is the kind of church where it was fine if everyone slept. <laughs> you know? And, and honestly, like, I was wrong in, in assuming they just, they, they're going to heaven, but they have no Holy Ghost. They just didn't understand the Holy Ghost. They weren't submitted to the Holy Ghost. They hadn't been experienced an empowering of the Holy Spirit. But there's no such thing as a, a holy, um, a Christian without the Holy Ghost, without this Holy Spirit. So, if we look at this, John 14 verse 12, Jesus is saying, you can do the same works as I did in greater works. So this would be normal Christianity. Why can you do the same works? Because you believe in Him. Okay, so let's talk about what this is not saying. Because now, let's, before we get there, what are some of the things that Jesus did? Just shout it out. Heal. Raise people from the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Forgive sins in, in heaven. I'm not in heaven. Sorry. It's far from heaven. In Stellenbosch. <laughs> Whenever I ask that question, the first thing without fail for 12 years that they've said is turn water into wine. You put on Christian television. I'm on Christian television now, by the way. So I'm speaking. And it's not, actually not a Christian station. It's a Christian-based station. <laughs> There's a difference. They have kids' programs and news and health and all that, and it's not Christian-based, all that stuff. 
So I'm not on Christian television. <laughs> Point is, what I'm trying to say is you turn on Christian television and it can do a disservice to your view of God, your view of church, because you see a golden throne that someone's sitting on and they're asking you for more money. And people are like, well, if that's church and Christianity, I don't want it. Well, I don't want that either. Because there's so much more to it. Amen? So, then he says that we can do these things because we believe in him. It says, anyone who believes in me. Is there an anyone in the room here? Okay, the rest of you, you got to, anyone, by definition means anyone. So it means that anyone in this room, from the youngest to the oldest. Uh, I don't know if you can hear me in the kids' room, but if you can, send out William. Or you can get him for me, mom. Anyone, meaning any, any, anyone. The youngest to the oldest is, you know, if, if someone receives Christ, they don't have a junior Holy Spirit. They don't have a baby Holy Spirit. They have Holy Spirit. They have God Almighty dwelling in them and that's it. And we've got to come to realize this. Okay, now I'm putting him on the spot, so hopefully he'll be fine. <laughs> but, but the point is it says anyone who believes. William is eight years old. He's an anyone. Okay, so are you. But then it says anyone who believes. Not anyone who's fasted for two weeks. We had some interesting conversations on fasting in, in Zululand. That's another story. But it's like, you, we, we think that we do these things, we become holy, and then God will do miracles through us. Rubbish. <laughs> we think that because we do, we do things, it makes us right with God. The only thing that makes you right with God is believe. Believe in what He's done for you. Believe in what He's freely offering you. When you believe, you can do the same with Jesus and greater works. That doesn't even say anything about Bible college. Doesn't matter if you went to Bible college or not. Okay? Yeah, I got to interact with our president of the Bible college even. Didn't make me any better for it. Come here, William. <laughs> You'll be fine, don't worry. I wanted to tell you this morning and I forgot, so I apologize. But now, 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 you're in anyone, right? You're in anyone. So this is William. Say hello, William. <laughs> this morning, and this has happened a couple of times, so I, but when I, I saw it happening, I thought, let me, let me ask him to share this testimony quickly. Okay, so this, this verse says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done, Jesus has done, and greater works than these. And what it's saying is that we can do the same things, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, you know where I'm going. And so... <laughs> This morning, we're busy getting ready. I was busy putting on my, my shoes. And uh, uh, Marna never complains. Amen? She knows that. I know that. I'm not making a joke of it, although it sounds like it. But uh, she was complaining about back pain. And so then what did I say to you? I said... No, what did I say to you? Pray for her. Pray for her. And then what did you do? I sat her down on a seat and... Was I helping you? Huh? No. And I... Just into one or two seconds of praying, her leg grew out. out of alignment. Yes. Thank you, my boy. You can go. So, and from time to time, that has happened. Like where I remember years back, the same thing happened, and I said to William, I showed him how, and I said, pray for it. And so now I don't even need to be part of it. It's wonderful. Um, but the point is, is that anyone can do these things. And yet our expectation of Christianity is, let me come to the man of God, 
let me come to the woman of God, let me come to church where I can get my miracle. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll be prayer shopping for the rest of your life. You'll be going from person to person hoping that you get something and it's good to ask each other for prayer and ministry. It's good, we must do that, it's humility. But, don't come to me, go to the person sitting next to you and that proves whether you, if you can't do that, that proves that there's something wrong in your heart. There's something wrong in your mentality there. Okay, so let's look at John chapter 7. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. So I read that previous verse just to show us that we need to see that when, when Jesus is talking about, about people who live like him, you get nice people everywhere. We're not wanting to be nice people, we're wanting to be Jesus people. Okay, so John seven thirty-seven to 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast... Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And he that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. By this he spake he of the, the, the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, the interesting thing here is, we, we, in, in, in our Christian tradition... We have wonderful songs about being desperate and thirsty for Jesus. And this should eradicate that completely in your heart now. Because when you come and drink from Jesus, you should never thirst again. So that, that's just for free. But the point here is it's talking about the Holy Spirit flowing from within you. Okay? Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. And it goes on. And Isaiah 55 is prophecy of what Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 7. So this is what God intended from the beginning, that we would never be thirsty again. Thirsty talking about spiritually speaking. Water is always or most often a, 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 a picture of Holy Spirit in the Bible. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your filthiness. And from your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. I will take away the stony heart of, out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. Firstly, that His Spirit would live within us. And then secondly, that because of the Spirit within, it would cause us to live right. You're not trying to live right now. You're living right because you've got a motivation, a, prop a propelling from within, driving you in the right direction. Now for those of you who are Christians, okay, have you ever felt bad for doing something wrong? Inside, there's a conflict because it's not who you are. You've changed. You, you've got a new nature. That nature is Holy Spirit. That nature is Jesus. And now, you're living in conflict with who you are. And, and, and it's difficult to, to kind of do something that's out of character, out of nature. So this is showing us that verse 27 there, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and do them. It, it's not us trying to live right, it's Him living through us. Galatians 2.20 It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. 
God himself lives in you by his spirit and he wants to live through you. Not so that you can have a, a healing ministry on TV or, you know, so that you can walk around and just, people are just drawn to you by the masses. If that happens, fine. But, but he wants every believer to awaken to the reality of who's living inside of them so that wherever we go, we can be the answer to someone's problem, even if it's just the cubicle sitting next to us in the, the office. Or even if it's just you come into contact with someone. I mean, we, we've been in two um, situations where at a traffic light, the, 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 the first time it was a, a Mr. Delivery driver was knocked completely off his scooter and we thought he was gone. And the second one was um, just a pedestrian running across the road and they were knocked over next to us. Both times, jump out the car, praying for them. The first one ministering to him and whatever. And both of them were fine physically. And I left when the police got there, uh, not because I was doing something wrong, but because obviously then they take over and the ambulance and stuff. But the point is, is like in those situations, we should all be jumping out. Just, just to lay hands and pray and speak life and be like, you know what, you're going to live, you're not going to die, what's your name? You're, and they're telling me my, their name and I'm like, you know, do you have any children, do you have a wife? And they're getting them to think you know, about something other than the accident. And then just, you know what, I'm speaking life into your body. Do you know Jesus? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like just a ministry moment. But it can doesn't have to be so drastic. It can be just someone who's looking down and depressed. Okay? And then you just go to them and you encourage them with a word that God puts on your heart for them. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. You know, this is, we're talking about what Christianity should be and what it is. But a lot of us, because we don't have that perspective of, of it, we, 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 we're living way below what God's got for us. So this is what was promised from the beginning until now. The Holy Spirit. This is the blessing of Abraham. The Holy Spirit. This is what God's whole big plan was about. Not just forgiveness of sins, it was just part of it. He had to forgive your sins in order to dwell in you. He had to make you right to come and live in you. But the aim was to live in you. His aim wasn't just, just Golgotha, dying on a cross. His aim wasn't just being raised from the dead. Although that's pretty impressive, right? His aim was Pentecost. And that's when Christianity started. When the Christians, as in spirit-filled Christians, meaning any Christian, someone who believes, they recognize what they've got and they start to live like that. Okay? So this is showing us that, that the, the plan, when you hear the gospel, you respond to the gospel by believing the gospel, and now he identifies you as his own. He puts a seal on you by, by giving you the Holy Spirit. And now, as the moment that you believe, the moment that you, you, you believe the gospel, he comes to dwell in you. Now you're enabled by God to live for him, to live right, to have the abundant life. And the abundant life is talking about the God kind of life, which is Zoe, which is the eternal life, which is now what you've got as a Christian. Again, I've got that verse in my notes here. It says Romans 8 verse 9. Romans 8 verse 9 from the NLT. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So there's no such thing as unspirit-filled Christianity. There's just some Christians who know what they've got and are yielding to it, 
and have, 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 have been in, uh, allowed the empowering of the Spirit to be their default, and then there's some who are just living for, for, for one day passing and going into glory. They don't know what they've got. They're not living for, for uh, uh, with Christ in them and Christ through them. Galatians 3.14 Galatians 3.14 says, Through Christ Jesus, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham. He said, Those who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. So let me ask you a couple of questions with this verse. Is it up there? Great. Let me ask you a couple of questions with this. Okay. God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing He promised to Abraham. So think about it for a moment. What did He promise to Abraham? Some people will respond and say money, wealth. He had that before He got this promise. So that can't be it. Well, He promised him more money, <laughs> more wealth. Get born again. <laughs> Stop thinking so carnally. We need money to live, but there's something much more valuable than money, and that is the spirit within. Because that's what this is saying. So that those who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. There's one promise really from the Word, from God, which, which, which is the promise that we should be concerned with, and that is the promise that is already fulfilled of the Holy Spirit living in us. You know, a, a, a lot of people, a lot of believers are, are, are comfortless, are discouraged. You know, uh, um, this one I won't tell you who it was, but this morning the, 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 there was someone who was really just like down. And I went up to them and, and I just said lovingly, you know, if you pray in the Spirit, it'll help. They looked at me and they said, you know, thank you, they didn't think of that. And I can see on their face it's changed radically. The point is, is that we need, to, we, we, need, we, we, we need to know what we've got, we need to access what we've got, and we need to, to live in that as our reality. Now, so go with me to John chapter 16. So from that, uh, John chapter 16. But in, in Galatians 3, what we're seeing there is that this was the intention of God from the beginning, the Spirit living within us. Now I want to pull out a couple of things from John chapter 16 because what I've realized as well is, is if you have the wrong view of God the Holy Spirit, if you have the wrong picture of God the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll experience Him wrong. And for example, I, I heard someone years ago say they, they, they are, they're happy to play the lotto. They don't, they don't see anything wrong with playing the lotto. Uh, and if uh, God doesn't like them playing the lotto, the Holy Spirit must convict them of that. That's how they operate. Okay, when they, if they're doing something wrong, the Holy Spirit must tell them. He can't. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that. And yet we believe He does. He's going to convict me of my sin of playing lotto. No, He doesn't. We, we, we kind of look at that and we think, well, okay, then, then what? Well, let's look at it. John chapter 16 from verse 7. Why are we making such a big deal of the Holy Spirit? Because Jesus made a big deal of it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or to your advantage that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, 
I will send him to you. And let's just pause there in verse 7. You know, the, the, the Passion Translation calls it, it calls Holy Spirit divine encourager or comforter. Every single one of us have been in a position where we need divine encouragement. God encouragement. We need, you know, in that moment where you just, if you're focused on all the, the challenges that you have or just the, the challenges that you wish you had and you're just like down and out, you wish you had someone to encourage you or comfort you. Okay? Uh, uh, and, and we have that. Most of us are looking to man for that. Why doesn't anyone ever, you know, give me a hug? Well, I'm sorry, you know, we, 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 maybe they, they think you have COVID. <laughs> It's a joke, but the point is, is like often we, 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 we kind of like looking to man to fill our need. And we should as the body of Christ, we're part of one another. So should, we should constantly be encouraging one another, fellowshipping with one another, blessing each other. But man isn't perfect. And so I'm not perfectly going to comfort and encourage all of you. There's too many of you. Etienne can't do it. He's on leave. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't leave. Isn't that awesome? He doesn't need paternity leave, maternity leave, whatever leave. Doesn't take two weeks off a year. He's always with you. That's why Jesus said, it's better that I go and the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, that's what he's saying here. It says, um, verse 9. No, wait, not verse 9. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So he's saying it's, 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 it's uh, what's the King James word there? Expedient. It's to your advantage that I go. And yet, most of us would be like, I would rather have Jesus in the flesh here right now than have Holy Spirit. The reason that you think that or say that is because you don't understand the Holy Spirit. You don't know who you've got, and so you, you're not enjoying Him like you should. If Jesus was here in the flesh, you would all have a big problem because He would come home for lunch with me. And then you guys would want to come for lunch with me too. I'm his favorite. It's actually my wife who's his favorite, so that's why you would come. But the point is, the point is, is that, you know, it's more advantageous for us that he is in spirit with us because with the disciples, he was limited to location. He was limited by geography. He was limited to one conversation at a time. Right now, he's trying to minister probably uh, something different to everybody in the room. Maybe the same truth in a different package, and he can do that because he's ministering to each one of us individually. That's powerful. And then you go home, you're by yourself, or you've just got your cats or something, and the Holy Spirit is there with you to encourage you, and to uh, bless you and minister to you and, and fellowship with you, even though the rest of us have gone home. We underestimate what we've got as believers. You know that song that we sang, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I like it. Most of us think wrong about that song. We're thinking, yeah, if the Holy Spirit is in the room, there's freedom. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about when the Holy Spirit's living in you, there's freedom. Where the, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's freedom. And He's living in you, which means you've got freedom. Now, you might be sitting there going, I've got some bondages, I'm struggling with some things or whatever. That's because you don't know who you've got. But I do know who I've got. Stop lying. 
If you knew who you've got and you were believing who you've got and you were starting to live and flow in it, then you would be soaring. You're living like Jesus. We're not living like Jesus because we don't know who's living inside of us. We're trying to do it in our own strength. Verse 8. So now this is showing us the comforter, the Holy Spirit, not the condemner. Many of us think he's the condemner. You shouldn't be playing lotto. It's a nice example, right? I didn't use some of the ones that maybe you guys are struggling with. <laughs> the point is, is that, 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 that you know, he's, he's comforting, he's not condemning. God is not trying to make you feel bad. And yet you hear many testimonies. God was on my case. Sometimes I believe he is, like he's, 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 but not about sin. Not in a condemning way. How do we know that? There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 verse 1. Okay? So verse 8, now showing us what the Holy Spirit's role is or His function or part of it. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. You know, some translations would say uh, uh, that He will convict the world of sin, righteousness and judgment. I just want to change my translation here. And so, you know, this is where we get this idea of he's, he's here to convict me of sin. He's here to make me feel bad about my sin so that I can change. If you ever feel bad about something you're doing that's wrong, it's a sign of a good conscience. So be grateful, firstly, that you've got a conscience which doesn't call evil good and good evil. But then don't blame the God for, for being on your case and condemning you because He's not. At best, at best it's yourself. At best, when you do something wrong and you feel bad, it's just you going, I shouldn't have done that. That's not who I am. I'm better than this. I shouldn't have done that. And you're condemning yourself. At worst, it's the devil. The accuser of the brethren pointing out your faults and saying, you're the one, you're the one. We can deal with both of those easily. Renew your mind. And tell the devil to back off. And when he has come, he will reprove or convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Then if you read on in the Bible, it explains itself. In verse 9, he will convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. So the sin which the Holy Spirit is convicting the world of, now there's two approaches to this. Number one, it's not talking about the church, it's talking about the world. Number two, if we consider ourselves part of the earth world, not the un unbelieving world, it can apply to us too. I don't think it matters. That's why I don't have an opinion there. <laughs> okay? But what it does say is that, that he'll convict the world of sin because they believe not on me. He's, you know, the Holy Spirit's wanting to show you that if you just believe in Jesus, that's the answer to your problem. He's, he's convicting of belief, not actions. He's convicting of uh, 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 just believe. I mean, Jesus said, John 3, 16, uh, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes on Him should not perish but have everlasting life. It makes sense why Holy Spirit would be convicting us to believe on Jesus because that's where salvation is. He's not convicting us of uh, 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 sin action, although sin action can destroy your life. It can, 
But he's convicting us of belief because belief is the root from which uh, 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 the action flows. Why do we do the things that we shouldn't do? Because we believe wrong. Not because of any other reason that you could think up right now, whatever that reason is. But we do things wrong because we believe something wrong. For example, maybe you're doing something wrong and it's harmful to you because you don't believe what God believes about you. You don't see yourself the way God sees you. Why would a thief steal? Because they don't believe God's their provider. They don't believe Jesus is enough. They think they have to take matters into their own hands. And you can fill in the blank with any kind of sin there and show that it, it, it's all rooted in not trusting in God, not believing in God. So, um, verse 9, of sin because they believe not on me. You know, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you of something, it's never, be, it's never the issue of uh, uh, you shouldn't be stealing. Those pencils belong to the office. Those pencils don't belong to you. Now, it doesn't belong to you, don't do it. Amen? We're in agreement. I'm not a, 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 um, approving of, uh, of theft. But what I am saying is that the Holy Spirit would be going, why, why don't you trust in Jesus? Yeah. And, and then the next line, he convicts of righteousness because I go to the Father and you see me no more. So he's not convicting us of how wrong we are, which is most Christians experience. They think that Holy Ghost is convicting them of how wrong they are, and yet they are crediting to the devil and themselves. But they point that, well, the, the, what the devil is doing or they are doing to themselves through their conscience, they're saying it's Jesus. They're saying it's Holy Spirit. So we're blaming God for something that he's not doing. He's making me feel bad. I just was miserable. No, you weren't. Well, you were miserable, but it's not God. What was it? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't convict you of how wrong you are. He convicts you of how right you are. And what's the root of righteousness? Righteousness is right standing with God. Think about this for a moment. Okay, I like this definition of righteousness. Being able to stand in the presence of God without any feeling of condemnation or feeling of inferiority. So if all of a sudden God's presence manifested in the room, everybody in the room would have a different reaction, a different response. If your response to the manifest presence of God would be that you're flat on your face and you're going, oh God, I'm so unworthy. Oh God, please forgive me. Oh God, please, you know, whatever, because I've seen that. Uh, uh, then it's you have a wrong view of God and how He operates through the Spirit. You think that He's judging you according to what you do when He's not. He's judging us according to what we believe. Do we believe that Jesus took our pay the payment for our sin so that we don't have to? If yes, you're righteous. 100% right with God, 100% of the change at time. It never fluctuates, never changes. It's constant. His righteousness has become your new identity. And that's what He's convicting you of. Holy Spirit is continuously showing you how right you are in God's sight. If we were to close our eyes 
which we're not going to do right now, but and say, God, you know, just speak to us. The number one thing that I've noticed in situations like that, that God speaks to our hearts in a situation like that, is, I love you. And if we were to do something like that, I guarantee you the majority of people would write down, if they wrote it down, God says, I love you. And we'd be like, that's too simple. That's just me. Why? Because we're expecting something more dramatic. And yet the thing that you need to hear is that God loves you. Because that's the solution to your situation. I mean, look at people in the Bible. An angel appears to them. What do they do? They freak out. Yeah? And what does the angel have to say? Fear not. <laughs> you know, fear not. Why? Because they, they were scared. Because of an inferiority complex. The gospel deals with that. The gospel takes away your sense of inferiority. The gospel makes you a child of God. So he's convicting us of how right we are with God. What's the root of righteousness? Faith. Not action. So he's not showing you your individual acts and things that you need to get right and do and whatever. He's saying, believe what I believe about you. What do I believe about you? You're right with me. Okay, and then it says, of judgment. He convicts the world of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. He convicts the world of judgment because the prince of the world is judged. You know, so often we look at this and we think that he's going to convict us that one day when we get to heaven, there's going to be whatever God uses, VHS, DVD, online, cloud, I don't know. Whatever he uses, and he's going to pull out the, 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 the video of your life. And he's going to push play in front of everyone. And he's going to pause it and go, why did you do that? And then we take it a, a step further. He's going to go, why were you thinking that? <laughs> and you're going to have to give an account for everything. Throw those books away, it's wrong. The Bible doesn't say that. We think of judgment because we think, wow, one day I'm going to be judged. You are going to be judged. But not in the way that you think. God's not going to judge you the way that you think He's going to judge you. What's it? 1 John 4, verse 17. 1 John 4, verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world so one day you will f you, you will face judgment and when you face judgment you can have boldness what's boldness it's not boldness what's boldness it's 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 a confidence Boldness is a, 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 a confident expectation. It's, a, it's an, a, almost like aggressive, but in a not a, a negative way. Okay? So we can have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. So, because we're like Jesus, we're righteous like Jesus, we're just like Him, we can be confident that when we face judgment, we're going to get judged righteous. The judgment isn't, ah, oh, you stole three pencils. You will go to hell for this. 
you know, it, the judgment isn't like a, oh, you were struggling with X, Y, and Z. I'm going to have to condemn you for this. The judgment is, you received Jesus. You believed in the gospel. Now you are one, and, and since then you've been 100% right with me. And so I judge you as righteous. All the judgment is, you didn't receive the gospel. I judge you as unrighteous. Not because you were a fornicator or a whatever, but because you didn't believe in the gift of His only Son. That's the issue. Let's take this a step further. We've all had a, a day of judgment, I'm sure. Where the washing machine breaks, your car is stolen, the dog runs away, everything's going wrong at the same time. You have a flat tire, whatever. Like everything's going wrong at the same time. And what's the number one response to that? God, why? Or what did I do to allow this in my life? What did I do wrong? What sin is in my life? I mean, I, if you know me, I joke with that all the time. Even with my boys. They kick their toe and it's bleeding or whatever the case is. I'm like, my boy, is there sin in your life? <laughs> and William looks at me and he's like, Dad, you can't say that. Someone might be listening and they believe that. <laughs> but I'm making sure that they don't believe that. Because we often think like that. But when everything's going to hell and we think that, that it's our day of judgment, this has come upon me because of the sin in my life. This has come upon me because I do not tithe. This has come upon me because of whatever the case is. This verse applies to us as well. We can have boldness in that day and say, because I'm like Jesus right now, this is not my inheritance. I'm not expecting this. I'm not going to tolerate this. Okay? This is not my portion. Okay? My Father will not do this to me. Then you look at, back at John 16 verse 11, and it says that of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. He's been judged, the devil. So you've got authority, like Jesus gave us all authority over all the works and power of the, the enemy. So this is now bringing us to the place where the Holy Spirit is reminding us of the authority that we have in Christ. Because the prince of this world has been judged. Because sin has been judged. And now he's convicting us of how right we are. And he's convicting us of the authority that we have because of how right we are. And when we know these things all together, it can give us a confident expectation of good things to happen in our life. And it can cause us to be contagious in a way that's good. Yeah? COVID is contagious in the negative way, right? Some people are contagious in a negative way. They're able to bring down the, the atmosphere of a room very quickly when they walk in. Some people. We should be the ones who walk in and the, the, the spiritual atmosphere, the, the, the emotional atmosphere, the everything atmosphere is just like up there. The moment we start singing in worship, it should be like we're up there. We're not trying to get up there. Old Testament mentality. Let's try and enter in. <laughs> We're in. We've got to change our perspective of Christianity and realize it's God Almighty living in us and giving us this friendship with Him because of faith. 
Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube.